I'm Shannon. And I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor Podcasting. How is the better half of uh, this podcast doing this morning? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Good. Doing pretty good. Feeling pretty good. I had my monoclonal antibody treatment. I'm feeling pretty good. So let's uh, talk about that. How how hard was it to get the antibody treatment? It was actually once we got our doctor's approval and he sent the referral to our local hospital. Um, it's an outpatient procedure, and it was actually pretty straightforward. They had a list of things we had to read, and they went ahead and uh, laid us on the bed there, little gurney. And she stuck a needle in my arm. Actually, she did some other first, but stuck a needle in my arm and said, okay, we're going to put the bag of stuff in. It takes about 21 minutes. Then we're going to monitor your vitals for about an hour to make sure you don't have any adverse reactions to it. And then we'll let you go home. Did they say what kind of adverse reactions? Actually, they kind of counseled me a little bit or laughed at me because I was reading everyone because it's low blood pressure, high blood pressure, itching, scratching, nervousness. Um, I wish I had the list in front of me. There's about 10 items. And I kept reading them, so I guess I kind of amped myself up a little bit. But my blood pressure was high, and it took through halfway of the procedure to get it to go down to normal, or what? what is my normal. And was that you doing something? Did they give you medication? Uh, getting it down? No, it was just, uh, I just finally relaxed. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so my blood pressure was up a little bit. She thinks I was probably a little nervous or something because I was reading all the symptoms and adverse effects. And probably, she said, I probably got it in my psyche that, oh my God, I'm going to have every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, no, I haven't really had any of them, so that's really good. Okay, so from the time that you um, got sick and informed your doctor, I guess more, more so from the time that your doctor agreed to let you do this to getting the appointment, how long was that? Less than 24 hours. Okay. The, the actual referral, because uh, as you know, uh, my better half became sick last Saturday, and I don't have the exact dates in front of me, so we're not going to go over dates, but last Saturday, mom had her first symptoms and tested positive, and then I kind of put it off because I was feeling okay, and then I started feeling kind of bad on Sunday night, Monday, and then I knew I was positive. I just hadn't tested yet, so I waited till Wednesday. Wednesday morning, I tested um, you're supposed to wait 15 minutes for the two lines to pop up on the home test. And within two minutes, they were solid lines all the way across. I waited the 15, but I knew I was highly positive. Because you know, other than the chest pains and uh, hard breathing, I had every other symptom, it seemed like, on the list of what you can get with COVID. Okay. Didn't, lose my smell, didn't lose my smell and taste. But I did have the headache and the temperature and the nausea and all the other weird stuff. So then Wednesday after um, I notified our team at my work and they put me on my 10-day quarantine starting basically the previous Monday, um, I, we started talking about it. And I believe that my coworker Scott brought up his wife that had the treatment done and it really helped her. So then we talked to you about it and you said, oh yeah, here's what it is. So. Then I started researching, so what? let me call my doctor. And within, probably within two hours of us talking to the nurse, maybe four hours, uh, she replied with a referral to St. Agnes, and then St. Agnes called about 30 minutes after that. 
And Monday was the first day they had available? Monday this morning at 10 a.m. was the first they had available. So because I've been feeling so good the last couple of days, I, I haven't had uh, temperature at all. Um, it's actually been in the way normal for me, but I still had a headache. I've had a headache for the last seven days. Okay. And when I woke up this when I woke up this morning, the headache was completely gone, one hundred percent gone, and I had no other symptoms. I thought, well, this is cool. Do I really need to go get the treatment? Do I not? Well, your mom wasn't feeling well again this morning, so I decided, you know what, if she's going to do it, I'm going to do it right next to her. So with that, um, you two went and got the treatment, and it took 21 minutes to to give to you, and then they monitored you you for an hour? Uh, Correct. 21 minutes to put the fluid, to intravenously put the fluid in, or the medicine, and then uh, an hour of monitoring just to make sure, like I said, there was no symptoms. We're all good to go. And what's really interesting um, is out of sheer coincidence, I also tested positive for COVID. And I say coincidence because we had seen each other the day before mom realized she was sick. And we were, you know, obviously very close contact and more than 15 minutes, no mask. Mom, you told me how mom wasn't feeling well, so I went to the store I did wear a mask, but I went to the store and I got the at-home COVID test so you guys could go and get tested or not have to leave your house to get tested. And I I chucked that at your front door, said bye, you know, went back. And then I had realized that I had been having allergies. And then I started wondering, what if this isn't allergies? So I actually sent my husband to the store He got another at-home kit, brought it home. He wasn't feeling anything, wasn't feeling any kind of illness or whatever. And I took it and I realized that, oh, I had like a a little bit of a runny nose and that had just happened on that Saturday. I wasn't really feeling that bad, but then my voice started to crack and my throat was feeling a little funny. We've had fires here in California. So I'm like, the bad air is causing, you know, all these problems plus allergies. But out of an abundance of caution, I'm gonna go ahead and test. So I tested and I tested positive right away. Yeah, and I think that was a, that was an empathy positive for your mom and dad. <laughs> I was feeling sorry for <laughs> you. Can't do this alone. Um, right, I wanted. Yeah, and and so there's I couldn't. It doesn't replicate that fast in your body. So I had already apparently had it, even though. I didn't realize that I had it. And you could say, oh, well, you had, you know, the signs of allergies, which is also the signs of COVID. But with the fires that have been happening, I've been having that for weeks. Right. And And that's your your mom as well. She has, you know, pretty much a stuffed up nose or her nose is running or she's sneezing all the time because of this weather. Yeah. And so it, it was crazy that I got it. So I started looking at what are my options? How long does it take? to uh, start showing signs of COVID. Cause now I was positive, but I wasn't feeling like I was having like sickness. I didn't really feel like I was showing signs of sickness. So I figured, oh goodness, it's early. So I'm gonna have all of these things. I better figure out what I could take, what you know my doctor can prescribe and what, uh, what to do and then wait for it to happen. But I wanted to be kind of preemptively get in there just to make sure that in case it takes a few days, I was prepared and I I messaged my doctor and it took 
the office a couple days actually to get back to me and the message said contact your doctor do this online uh, e-visit so I went and I did the online e-visit and I had put in my my letter to my doctor that I what is the process for getting the antibody treatment as well as you know things I should be prepared for and they didn't answer the antibody question, the, the treatment at all. They didn't answer it. They ignored it. And then they just said, go do this e-visit. Get yourself a, a COVID test at our facility. So the e-visit basically is you checking the boxes that I've been exposed or I have the symptoms of COVID and I need to get tested. So I did that. And then I it tells you to follow up with your doctor. So I attempt to send another preemptive message because I don't want it to take this really long time to get there. And I sent the message saying, I'm also curious about the antibody treatment. I, I'm going to take the test. I've already tested positive on a home test. Can I do the antibody treatment or what's the process? So I go down, they have a nice little setup for a drive-through COVID test. I had an appointment, I go there, they test me and then I'm waiting and the doctor doesn't get back to me. I'm waiting again, so I'm like, oh, do I have to make my own appointment with my doctor? Because it says to follow up. So I try to make an appointment, and as soon as you say COVID, it won't let you make an appointment. So it's mm. like, okay. So then finally, a couple days later, at like 10 o'clock at night, uh, my test comes back positive online. And then about an hour after that, so it's 11 o'clock at night, I get a message from the doctor saying, these are all the things about COVID. This is what you should do. If your symptoms worsen, you know, go to the emergency room. I'm like, well, worsen from what? I, I've told you a little bit about what I have. I haven't gotten like the full blown sickness yet. What do you mean worsen? <laughs> like what's worsen? Right, right. So I, again, they, they completely skipped the antibody question and they said, just follow up on these e-visits. We'll send you a link and you tell us how you're feeling. And if your symptoms worsen, you know, go to the ER, and I still don't know what worsen means because. And I, go ahead. Well, to to be at a level to go to the ER because they won't see you on a regular visit. So I'm like, what to what level? Like truly ER worthy? Uh, I'm not breathing. Yeah, or? You, you have to have real tightness in your chest. You have to have trouble breathing. Um, ultra high temperature, and if. Uh, your blood ox level drops low, then they want you to go to the ER. And then otherwise stay That's away. So I'm like, how? okay, I guess I can't get any treatment at all. Like nothing. They weren't answering any questions as far as like what I can do, what I could take, should something be prescribed. They were just like completely almost automated and hands off. So I actually ended up with zero care. From, yeah, I, don't, I don't understand Kaiser's doing that. That makes no sense. Yeah, so I got the, the automated message and go to the ER if your symptoms worsen. That was all I got. And I will say I was truly blessed. I am, I, I believe in God and I, I believe that I was taken care of, but that's not to say that people who get bad symptoms aren't, you know, taken care of. But I don't know why, but my worst symptoms were the same as my allergy symptoms. I had a little bit of a runny nose, I had a throat clearing cough, and I got tired. That's it. And that that was pretty much ours. That was pretty much your mom's as well, except for she did have some rattling, some pain in the chest. I have to cough, excuse me. No worries. Choked up here. 
<laughs> um, so any so anyway, mom and I were very fortunate as well that the symptoms were pretty mellow for the most part. Uh, they would just linger and not go away, or they would go away and come right back, and they go away and come back like the the roller coaster with the temperature. Now my temp never got over a hundred point eight. And it only got that high one time. Other than that, it would stay at like 99, 98.9, 99, and 100. But it would go away. Then my throat would start hurting. And then the throat would stop hurting, and then the temperature would come back. And then the uh, pain in my shoulders would come, and the other two symptoms would go away. So it was vacillating back and forth between all of them, just not as severe as some people were getting yeah, and so I didn't have a temperature at all. I took my temperature temperature every day. If I thought I oh I feel kind of hot right now, I'll go take my temperature. Nope, I had no temperature, and I would say that on some days my allergies are actually worse than what I ended up with, and it just seems so unfair. It is so unfair. I know people, you know people, we've known people that got sick, we know people that died, that have been hospitalized, that are currently on oxygen, rolling oxygen tanks. And I feel guilty even saying, oh yeah, I had, you know, a a runny nose and I coughed, you know, to clear my throat for about seven days. Right, and that's why I was so concerned about your mom. I wasn't very much concerned about myself. I always worry about her and others. So I was more concerned about her than myself. If I would have gotten worse symptoms, I'd have dealt with them. But uh, thank goodness, thank goodness for that. Both of us, or all three of us, just got mellow symptoms. Right. Yeah, we were truly lucky and we're very, blessed. Very to fortunate. Not very fortunate to not have to go through what what some have gone through. Right. Well, and it surprises it surprises me because I'm one that does not get sick, and I don't think I've had the flu, but maybe twice in the last thirty years, and. This thing here, I don't know if this was the Delta variant that somebody carried into their workload and, and brought on to your mom and then she passed it on to me, or if it was a regular variant. But um, it's amazing that for months and months and months, we've been around hundreds upon hundreds of people and worked through this thing just fine, masks and no masks and no vaccine. And then it takes one little slip up by somebody and bam, a bunch of people have it. Right. And I know with the original variant that we had going around last year, with that particular variant, it was considered like 60% of the people, I think, will not pass it on to other people, but then 40% of the people will be the ones to like super spread it around for whatever reason they they ooze this almost. I don't know. And right. they said the Delta variant was even more contagious than than that. Yeah, even Dr. Ram Paul said that it, it's highly contagious. It's way more contagious than the original, but um, it's not as deadly, according to him, unless that's changed. Right. Well, the numbers um, seem I, to be supporting that it, it's obviously a problem and people are dying. It is very real. But also, it does seem like the, is not as many people are getting as sick. Based on some of our numbers, it seems like we should be seeing even more people in the hospital. Right, right. So does this change your opinion? Do you wish you would have gotten vaccinated? Uh, absolutely not, because the vaccine is still an unknown in my eye. And I was going to bring that up, because that's a very interesting thing you asked. Because the nurse, the RN that did the infusions for us, she's not vaccinated. Uh, she tests twice a day 
in order for her to continue to work at the hospital but not have to get vaccinated. Um, she says she it's an unknown to her as well, and she does not want it in her body. Yeah, we have other so nurse friends that have said the same thing, and they actually, one works for the VA, and he may lose his job because the, the VA was actually the first governmental system to require all employees be vaccinated. Right, right. Well, I thought it was interesting coming from a professional like that. She said she's been around hundreds, if not thousands, of people that have been positive. So, the, uh, she's very willing. She says she's very willing to take the risk. And the the antibody treatment, she says, is a lot safer. And apparently, a lot of ER doctors around the U.S. have been taking this thing. Wow, that's so pretty interesting to know. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's. It's something still, even though they've had it around for over a year, it's, it's on an emergency order as well, which was approved by the Drug Administration. It, uh, it, all it does is boost your natural antibodies. And, and I get... Oh, yeah. continue. Go ahead, Dick. No, 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 you continue. Well, I guess it attacks uh, a couple of certain parts of the COVID-19 and tells it to get lost, go away, get out of the body. Yeah, I know they're working on one, too, that it's kind of like the anti-malaria pills where you take it if you're going to be exposed to it. Because, you know, if you go to like a high exposure region um, to take the the pills ahead of time. So I actually uh, did that with my husband back in 2017. We went on safari to an area near Mozambique, the border uh, between South Africa and Mozambique. And... um, it was, you know, take this ahead of time because you don't want to get it. And we did see mosquitoes. There were other people getting bit by mosquitoes, but this was just to make sure that you were good. And so now they're looking at doing something like that for COVID. So if you get exposed at work, you could take these pills, basically. Yeah. So it's interesting Another what they're thing. doing. Yeah, it is. Another thing she did say was that she has also seen people come in for this monoclonal antibody treatment that have already been vaccinated and have gotten COVID again or have gotten COVID. And she said that they are showing actually more serious symptoms than the unvaccinated she's seen. So my uh, oldest daughter, her teacher is one of those cases. She was fully vaccinated and she caught COVID. Um, Luckily, you know, she was able to stay home uh, and get treatment, but she did have to go to the hospital to do probably St. Agnes as well um, to do the treatment and she needed it and she was having a hard time recovering. So even after she was fully recovered as far as not you know producing it anymore, she had a negative COVID test, returned back to work and uh, she was struggling because it had hit her so hard and she wow. was fully vaccinated you know, one of the, f- not first people to get it, but as soon as she could get it, she got it. She got the the vaccine because she's a cancer survivor. So her and her doctor were worried that she was going to be too drained, you know, if she were to get right, hit with. Right. And so she took it and she still struggled with it. Well, she's through it though. Is she back to she's school? She's through it. She's back. She's back to school. Oh. Um, they do have a teacher's aide to help her um, because she still struggles with some of the activities like getting the kids out to uh, the play yard and, and watching them and stuff. She still 
has some breathing uh, related issues or chest you know pain related issues so she's been getting help there the school's been great to to help with that and she wants to be back in the classroom because they would give her more time to recover if she needed it but she she just loves being around the kids she's like i'll recover here yeah that's one of the things i've noticed just the last week even though um, i'm not winded i'm winded (laughs) (laughs) it's so weird that, that exercises a lot and walks miles and miles and miles with a weight vest on and does all the extracurricular activities i do and then i go out to work on the backyard for 20 minutes and i'm tired and have to sit down and take a break is simply amazing yeah, I got really tired too. I, I I napped quite a bit, and so I would wear a mask in the house because um, I I still didn't want to give it to my kids or my husband. I was hoping that I wasn't actively sick long enough that they got it, but they showed no signs, no symptoms. I kept a mask on um, while I was out in the regular part of the house. I slept in the spare bedroom, um, and luckily did not pass it on to either my kids or my husband um yeah we slept we slept in separate bedrooms until i tested positive and then what difference did it make after that point yeah you already had it. <laughs> yeah we both had it so then i started sleeping back in my bedroom yeah but the I, first i'm glad first that, five days first five days i slept in a separate bedroom yeah i'm i'm glad that we had well i'm sorry that you got it because like you got it from mom so I'm sorry that you got it but at least you both were able to take care of each other and you're still taking care of each other obviously (laughs) yeah yeah well we took care of each other but let me tell you what if it wasn't for you your husband your um, sister and her husband doing stuff for us the last 10 days um, we'd have had a hell of a time yeah I I will say that um, having my sister and my (laughs) brother-in-law help us out too when we needed it it was tremendous and it, we thought about that what if we didn't have family nearby what what about the people who don't have family i will say right. on on this front kaiser in their e-message said that you can click a link and they will have someone drop off cleaning supplies to you if you need disinfectant gloves masks anything They actually do have a service for that, which we didn't end up needing because we did have all the supplies we needed on hand. But as far as grocery shopping, you know, my sister took the grocery list and did it for me. And I will say for the person who hates fish and shrimp and, you know, all manner of sea crustaceans, (laughs) she did an excellent job shopping for my salmon and my uh, shrimp, which I'm super thankful for. And she just you know did everything helped us out so that was truly a blessing that was cool she's a special girl for sure yes and my brother-in-law bringing a a, getting the kids homework picking it up from the school and then bringing it to us so the girls wouldn't get behind on their school week because we kept them out out of abundance of caution we didn't want to send them in case they didn't get it yeah, I was trying to do electrical work in the backyard, and, and my son-in-law went and bought parts for me, and, and he had kept me stocked with stuff. Mm-hmm. Hey, I see my favorite guys back in the news, huh? They're Dr. Fraud. And oh, Dr. yeah. No Christmas for you. Uh, we don't no, know if you can have a Christmas yet. Don't no know. No Christmas for me. Well, I'm not going to go on a rant because he doesn't deserve any more rants or free, free rants in my headspace. 
because the guy is a fraud in my eyes. And, you know, I just want to, I hope you listen to our podcaster, Mr. Fauci. I want to say thank you for this wonderful COVID for my wife and I. It's a hell of a Christmas gift. Yes, thank you for all the work in the lab. Thank you for shipping yeah. money and info and, and employing Absolutely. people and letting them uh, do something that What, a, what an infects. awesome job you guys have done with population control. You outdid yourself, let me yeah. tell you, because not, not only did you depopulate the earth by two or three million, you actually created something that I think you guys don't know how to turn it off. And that's your panic behind the scenes. You've created something that keeps morphing and you don't know how to stop it. it it's definitely gotten out of hand quite quickly. Yeah. And so their response is because, well, it's not because of us. We, I wouldn't do that. We don't do that. We don't investigate and research that kind of information. And then it's proven you've been talking about it for years. Oh, well, you know, I didn't lie to Congress. Yep. On more than one occasion. Yeah. And then when so called out, doubles down, triples yeah. down, du du down. Doubles down and gets angry. And you can tell when he's uh, angry like that, he's been caught. Yeah. Because that, that's one of the uh, interview. So I interviewed people for years as a part of my job as a, a federal immigration officer. And that would usually indicate that a person didn't want you to continue on that subject, that there was something with it. And so they figured if they could just be angry, you would stop because you don't want to continue that kind of uh, line of inquiry when someone's being so combative. We actually used to have an attorney that would try to get himself thrown out of the office. So that way you, he, you couldn't continue interviewing his clients. So he would do something it's like, oh, well, we know we're on the right track when you start yeah. yelling at us and screaming at us and threatening us. That's definitely the the right track, and nine times out of nine, it was. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's why I like using our local congressman's words all the time because he's such a wise guy for a farmer. And that's just look at what they're doing and what they're accusing you of doing. If they're accusing you of doing it, then that's what they're doing. So oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Guilty, 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 guilty. Guilty is charged. <laughs> yeah. And a little shout out for uh, my grandson, Christopher, too, for coming over and doing my lawn yesterday. Thank you very much, buddy. Oh. Appreciate you taking care of your nan and your papa. Yeah, good kid. Excellent kid. So what else is new in the news? I was going to sit down and write down some topics and some bullet points and i got a little busy got a little covid a show. Got, a little co <laughs> got a little covid got a little shot in the arm this morning a little bit slow yeah so one of the I'm things that uh did come up in the news uh over these last few days is we are doing business or i should say like i came to the realization but we're doing business with a country that has actual terrorists in charge the, the Biden administration is talking positively about working with the uh, terrorists located in Afghanistan, Al-Qaeda. Are they still considered Al-Qaeda? Yep, Al-Qaeda. So they, they talk positively and how they're making inroads and working with the established almost government of Afghanistan, even though the established government of Afghanistan fled for their lives. So here they are working with terrorists 
the U.S. is working with terrorists, killing, um, the terrorists are killing all uh, who helped America during the occupation. But we have another country, which right now a lot of tens of thousands are coming through our southern border from Haiti. So when it comes to Haiti, we are expecting or asking them to rebuild their country is too much. And in fact, they're trying to do another temporary protected status or even permanent status for all the Haitian immigrants coming through the southern border um, because we cannot expect them to stay in their home country, ask for help, and then, you know, us have people help rebuild. It's always a perpetual state of somebody, you know, we need to go to America. They need to take us in. We can't be expected to rebuild our own country. We can't be expected, oh, but they had an earthquake or they had a storm. Well, there's always an earthquake and there's always a storm in Haiti. And yet we don't see the same thing from the Dominican Republic. And they're the same right. island. That's, that's amazing. It's the same island opposite side. That that would lead you to that fish story, right? Catch a fish and give it to a man. You can eat for a day. Eat the man a fish. You can eat for a lifetime. Something like that. Yes. That's the problem with it. That's the problem with. I don't have any Haitian people because I don't know any of them. What I do know is there's been hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars donated to that country. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's somebody fleecing it and taking it or they're, they're just not learning how to take care of themselves. They need to quit their whining and bitching, get off of their butts. And when somebody does give them $10 billion, instead of opening up a Verizon store in McDonald's, how about you open up a business that hires, you know, 10% of the population or 20% or whatever, you know, the, the time for all these people making excuses that it's always everybody else's fault is wrong. There's enough money there. I'm sure if they would set up a trust, and there's probably trust for those people there, there's enough for them to self-sustain. They could take a bulldozer, wipe the whole their whole side of the island out, completely rebuild it, and even if there is another earthquake, they'd be fine. Right. Build it again. Build it again. Build it again. Or pick another location or another island close to where you live and go fix that. Yeah, it's quite interesting that it's like it's come to America. And I actually did a lot of immigration cases from Haiti. So after the 2010, um, I think it was an earthquake in January of 2010, I believe it was, we did a temporary protected status for Haitian immigrants. So if you were in the U.S. and you could not return to your home country because they were just devastated by an earthquake, you could get a temporary work permit. And then when country conditions change, they'll, uh, you go, you return home. So there were people who had been living unlawfully in the United States since the 90s that would say, oh, I, I can't return home because of the earthquake. So they could get a work permit. Now they had been working already. It was a lot of the under the table or under a false identity. Right. And so they were, they've been here since the 90s. They had zero intention on going you know, back, uh, but they got a work permit out of it, even though they had, you know, it wasn't the intention of people who had been living here for decades to be the recipient of it. It was people who had come maybe on a student visa, couldn't return home or on a visitor visa, visiting their family, couldn't return home. We didn't want to leave them with nothing. So we gave them, you know, a, a work permit. 
but it was quite interesting to see the sheer volume of people that did come out and say, oh, I've been here. Here's my proof that I've been here. I can't return. Wow. Well, I know America is supposed to be the greatest place on earth to live or one of the top 10 anyway. Those people really need to do their research because I'll tell you what. <laughs> dirty air, dirty water. Yeah, we have a... Uh, too, but don't worry. Too high of taxes all around. It, it ain't all that you think it is, boys and girls, when you come over here because you're in for a rude awakening. Unless you're going to work under the table your entire life here. Um, it, it's the, the tyranny of being beat by your leadership is one thing, but then all the taxes and all the other stuff that goes along with it. Man, I I just don't know anymore. And maybe it's because I'm getting older and I'm getting more cynical and I see more. Uh, these people really need to take a look. Take a look before they leap. Well, yeah, they uh, the amount of money that you can make under the table is uh, a good amount that it does keep people still coming, still coming to the right, U.S. Not just from far, Haiti, but far all more over. than they can make in, right, far more than they can make in their own countries. One thing I have been watching though since I've been home, which is kind of ties into this a little bit, but it has to do with like immigration and people living in the U.S. There's a guy back in Florida that his he's got a, a YouTube channel. And he sits and he watches uh, boat launch, this boat launch, all of the crazy stuff that happens, all the interactions with the people, the fights that happen, because you jump, you jump in line first to take your boat in the water, put your boat in the water, or take your boat out of the water, or you lost control and you ran into me, whatever the case may be. This launch is somewhere close to Miami, because um, you'll probably know Miami, what a heavy population there is there. Cuban-Americans and Puerto Ricans, yes. Puerto Rican-Americans. And one thing I see on almost every boat, believe it or not, which is incredible and it's awesome, which tells me they're proud of both their heritages, is American flag and either Cuban or Puerto Rican flag, which tells me those people are very gracious and grateful to be here and they've made a great life for themselves back there in Florida. Well, so one thing, um, I like the rapper Pitbull and he was just doing a concert and he said to the people who hate America, like people born here who hate America, like, I love you, God loves you, but F you. And he was talking about what America has given his family, him and his family, and how great America is for um, the opportunity to leave such a dictatorship. And so that's, right. and we had, um, what used to be known as the wet foot, dry foot, if you right, escaped right. Cuba and came here and you made it to shore, you could stay. I, I know there were quite a number of people who benefited from that. We don't have that for other countries at this time, but we do have, if people are seeking asylum and, and different opportunities. And don't get confused with the southern border. When your representatives are telling you they're all asylum seekers, they are not. They are not they do not meet the true definition of seeking asylum, right. which Cuba didn't right. have to qualify for because they did the, the wet foot, dry foot. Um, but they are not all asylum seekers. They are economic migrants, uh, a lot of them. And I don't begrudge them for being economic migrants. And I do believe that we have work that we can do in our immigration system to allow for people who want to come from other countries that it's hard for them to get a visa because there is no visa. Right. But, well, it's, I, I, I don't know how you fix the southern border because I'm almost 60 and I've heard the same issues since I was in my teens. So when they took away the Brasario program, some of the work programs and such, 
And the problem is, is we have a group of people, I think, that believe that this country's bad, the borders should be open, period. It doesn't matter who comes in, just open it up, let them come in. We'll deal with what happens afterwards. And that's not how sovereign nations work. Yeah, I, I find that a really interesting stance is that we should have open borders. And I think, okay, we should have open borders. What country are you wishing to model that after? There are no other countries with open borders. Um, Absolutely. Maybe by pirates, yeah. but... <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a good one. Pick a nationality or an ethnic group or pick a country. Do you want to do you want to have borders like England? Do you want to have borders like you know, Australia? Um, and speaking of Australia, I always thought that you know that'd be like the coolest place to go. I was in America. I thought that was my number two go-to country. Me too. After yeah, after watching the way they're beating people up and stuff in the streets and treating people over this COVID lockdown there, I don't think so, Tim. I am with you. I I totally thought Australia was the other good penal colony to go to. Uh But I'm like, oh, this, you know, Australia sounds great. They have, seem like they have a lot to offer. And then watching what they are doing to their citizenry is just crazy. And I don't want to go there. I think it's Eastern Australia that's back on lockdown. I believe, I, I could be wrong either eastern or western it's possibly eastern australia and we can correct ourselves next week if i'm wrong and then the western side is open however they close their borders when they're not allowing anybody in and the eastern part of the gut the government's mad because they closed off the the country on that side but they've gotten their covid cases down to zero and they haven't had to do this total lockdown thing that they're doing on the other half of the country yeah, and when they say they are making announcements, if you're at the beach without a mask on, like they are announcing you will be arrested. Or if you're walking, there was one guy who was walking his dog, I think it was, and he uh, pulled his mask off and put it in his pocket so he could a smoke a cigarette. And they, yeah. yep, they arrested him. I saw yeah, that he one got too. Ta- he got tackled by a couple of officers and handcuffed, and the witnesses were saying, wait a minute. He's two blocks from his house. He's got two masks in his pocket. He's not around anybody. He was smoking a cigarette, walking his dog. Yeah, and and they are they are tackling people. They are beating people. There's uh, the sheer brutality of what they are doing for not wearing a mask. And I'm not talking about even though I would disagree with it, like walking into a grocery store and like licking apples or something. Right. They are also maintaining distances. They are not around anyone else or they are far enough away from other people that they can keep a social distance, like we said, smoking a cigarette. They are arresting and beating and using excessive force on people. Yeah, New, New Zealand, I don't think they're using excessive force, but they're still on lockdown in a lot of parts of their country as well. Craziness, man. It is absolutely. This has just been the craziest two years. We've got problems with our chickens nationwide, problems with produce and fruits. We're having logistical issues with getting supplies. Nobody wants to work because they're getting free money handed to them. We got a fungus among us that a couple of knuckleheads have released into the world. Boy, this is this is the time for the ages right here. 
Yes, it is. My, my and, goodness. And can you believe it? So our uh, our representatives are are representing us and voting on these bills that are in the trillions of dollars and trying to garner su- support for these bills that are in the trillions of dollars. And we have another crisis that we've had, it seems like every other year since 2013, which is we're going to have to do a government shutdown if we don't agree to these spending bills. We do stopgap spending bills every year, uh, well, every couple of months, and we make it a crisis, and this is what we talked about before, is they create the problem and then they, they try to make the solution. To, yep. But here we are in another cycle of stopgap spending, and we don't have a true budget. Budgets are supposed to be for two years, I, I believe. Every two years, they're supposed to agree upon and pass it. Or maybe it's every year. I'm not sure anymore because we have these months. <laughs> we only get a couple right. of months, and then it's another crisis. And then, you know, right. a couple more months and another crisis. Well, here we something are. else will come up here pretty quick. Yeah. So we always have something to, to misdirect us on. Don't think about you being locked out of your family, you know, turkey day. Uh hate this person because they won't give me 3.5 trillion dollars to do whatever i want with but yeah another another crisis spending spree so jen saki will not say whether hunter biden has divested from chinese private equity firm it doesn't matter if he divests now or not he's made enough fraudulent money that (laughs) he'll be fine i i guess another news organization has published more information it's the same information but people are finally reading through different pieces of it regarding his his relationship with his father by relationship i mean business relationship with his father that they're also getting other emails from other parties that confirm the same information that was on his laptop. So basically the people who were in receipt of those emails or the the recipient, I should say, or people who have other information that jives with the information provided on the laptop. And yet we're still told it's a non-issue that his making deals, millions of dollars in deals, and his dad getting a cut of it is a non-issue. Well, it's a non-issue because they have a D after their name. Had they had an R after their name, they'd have been the worst scum of the earth. Uh, the Democrats seem to be better criminals than Republicans. Yeah, they you, get away you can with be more. a criminal. Yeah. We won't. We'll look the yeah, other get way. Away, they you. get away with more stuff. People look the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really seem to look the other way. Yeah, the, it's amazing what you're allowed to do that's not legal. But only, like you said, only if you have a D after your name. If you're a Republican, you do the same thing. And I'm not saying we should accept it. We right. should accept right. it from no, no none one. None of it's acceptable. Right. Um, but it is quite amazing, like when they were investigating Hillary Clinton's uh, email scandal, right? That they were checking to see if people sent classified info, who knew about it, when they knew about it, who was a party to utilizing that server. And they also, we saw an investigation for Benghazi as well. And what they did is they went and gave everybody immunity and then they could tell the truth about it and no one was gonna get prosecuted if you gave everybody immunity. So they found out the truth, but didn't prosecute anyone because they were all given immunity. I guess with the exception of this uh, 
new well it's not a new lawyer but the lawyer tied to the clinton group Mm -hmm. um giving feeding the fbi the uh, bogus information so there's money changing hands but only the lawyer is the one getting in trouble nobody else at least no one else so far and that took how many years and Two, how much three, money? four, yeah. <laughs> how many years has it been since any of these things have actually happened? And now the the Russia disinformation where Trump was tied to Russia, it turns out, oh, Trump wasn't tied to Russia. And he was actually set up by Clinton back money because that's who paid for the Fusion GPS. Yeah. It all funneled from Clinton. The DNC was funded by Clinton's money and here we are oh nothing to see here uh, i just yeah. want you to forget that it, it ever existed that uh hillary clinton helped to create the disinformation campaign right that is all part of that deep state thing that's they're all so corrupt it's unreal and that's why i never have any faith when they always say that the but the inspector general wait for him to come out with his report there's going to be so much damning evidence in it blah 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 <laughs> And I hate that stuff. Then there's nothing in it, or the inspector general says, well, it's not my job. It's your job to go in and find these things. Wait a minute. You're the auditor. You're the guy that's supposed to be watching over the guy. And if you see things that the guy's doing, you're supposed to let the oversight people know, and they never do. Ever. They never, ever no. do anything about it. It's, uh, it's just like watching this General Milley speak before these committees. You know, I hate to say it, but that general, I think, is a fraud as well. Oh, absolutely. He, Nancy Pelosi even admitted to it early on that they were worried that Trump was going to go kooky and after he lost the election and he was going to use the nuclear arsenal. So after he lost the election in November, they started uh, talking to the generals and, and Nancy Pelosi was just making sure that Trump couldn't get a hold of the nuclear arsenal and cause, you know, mad craziness to to ensue. So that was their, what, even according to Nancy Pelosi, that's what went down. And the general actually uh, called China and wanted China to know that, hey, we understand our president's kooky, but don't worry, he won't cause a nuclear war with you because I'll make sure he doesn't have the the codes or whatever. And so they said it was, they were afraid Trump was going to lose it after he lost the election, except General Milley was calling China in October. The election had not happened. It happened yet, yes, and that's, that's uh, third world country crap. That's uh, yeah. military military coups. And that's why I'm surprised that all these people in Congress who were worried about the insurrection in January 6th, which was a crock of poo, mm-hmm. uh, should have been looking at that general with some closer scrutiny saying, whoa, now something like this, now that's a potential real coup. Yes, he actually called China to make sure that they were all on the same page yeah, and he was treason. going to not allow the president to use nukes if it you know if he wanted to right. no it's treasonous that's a very treasonous act it is and if if you truly thought that the president was going to go kooky and just launch the nukes you would have the requirement 
to disobey a direct order if you get an unlawful order. So for Trump just to be like, I don't want to lose the presidency, so I'm going to nuke someone that then, you know, hey, general, go get the codes and we're going to launch these nukes. Okay, now it's his job to disobey a direct order because it's unlawful, right? That would be what you do. But instead, he starts making plans with Nancy Pelosi, the Chinese military leadership, and who knows who else he called. Yeah, and that's who that's who we trust, right? Nancy Pelosi, the one one of the ones that impeached because of the Russia collusion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, Let, let's yeah. not forget about impeachment for Russia collusion that went on. That now it's like, oh, that whole thing was fake. That whole thing was paid yeah. for. Oh, well. See, that thing that we come up oh, with well. that uh, they create the problem and they say they have the solution, solution for it. to it, yes. Yeah, it rears its head every time they speak. <laughs> I, I just, I shouldn't be surprised that here we are again, but here we are again. We're there there. We are. They made there the crisis, whether it's a money crisis. Now uh, people have a job crisis. So what are we going to do? We're going to print $3.5 trillion infrastructure dollars so we have one point what is it 1.2 trillion in in physical infrastructure that they want to pass and 3.5 trillion in human infrastructure that they want to pass where are they going to get the money from other than just printing it apparently they want to mint a one trillion dollar coin and that will keep us afloat these people are crazy well they are because they're spending other people's money and stuff that doesn't really exist. That means that I think it's time in America we should be able to take our own 3D printing machine. We should be able to start printing our own money. We call it the, the horn or the socket depository. Yeah. You know what? You need, you pick a number. Okay, I need, my budget is, I need $100,000 a year to function. Well, you don't have a job. doesn't matter. Everybody I should be able to print me. myself the money. If the government, government can print phony money, monopoly money, why can't we? Yeah, we ought to be able to. And what's really interesting is um, they are working on these infrastructure bills and they have a couple of, uh, I think it's one Democrat and one independent, I don't think they're both independents, that normally uh, vote with the Democrats. So if they're going to do a party line vote, we would end up 50-50 in the Senate and then Kamala Harris could be the tiebreaker. But we have the Arizona senator who has been saying that she can't support the $3.5 trillion bill. It's too big. It needs to be smaller, you know, and then I can get behind it. I don't remember what her number was, but they were talking about having the bill. And apparently Bernie Sanders came out and said, we will not be held hostage by these two when 48 other people want it. We need to make it happen. Which I find very interesting because if there's two people that are normally vote with the Democrats that are voting opposite, that would make it 48 to 52. So he wants Mm -hmm. to be able to do whatever they want with 48. Mm -hmm. Um, But in addition, people started following the Arizona senator and apparently they followed her into the bathroom. And I'm not sure if she was going to the bathroom, but they recorded her inside the stall and there are news organizations that they're not going to put the recorded video out because it's too sensitive in nature so it makes me think that she was actually going to the bathroom but they're willing to 
record a sitting senator in the bathroom to try and force them to vote a different way. That is right. domestic they're, terrorism right there. Yeah, they're following Manchin around as well. They're trying to get him to change his vote as well, Senator Manchin. Apparently, if you don't do what we want you to do, we're going to make sure that you're harassed into doing it. Well, that's that's how you do it. That's one of the beginning phases or stages, I believe, of socialism and quasi-communism, you know, and t- intimidation, and you got to beat people up, and you got to break things. And if they won't change their mind, then you get a little more serious, and then a little more than that until you get your way. Wow. And that's what they—that's what they've been doing with these riots all across the U.S. for the last two years. That's all part of a calculated game by guys like Soros. So speaking of the riots, so you had riots and destruction in towns across America. In Portland, they—I do know specifically that they were going after federal buildings and federal officers. And then they would restage themselves on state land or city land. And the feds were told to stand down and you can't go across the street. So the local PD said, this is our jurisdiction and you can't go on our land. And so then all of the people would restage, regroup, and then go attack the federal building again. And when federal officers would come out, they would run back to like a safe zone. So they were allowed to destroy federal property because the city and state representatives didn't care about the feds. And so they were busy doing that and just terrorizing people, destroying property, and they were armed. They would throw uh, firebombs, Molotov cocktails, and beat journalists senseless. And it just blows me away that a true armed group causing destruction is looked upon with, you know, smile and grace from the uh, Democrats. Favorability. And they, yeah. Favorability, and they were giving them bail money to make sure that they, you know, wouldn't stay in jail, and, and murderers, you know, got out and killed people, and they were totally cool with that, but the world's worst, well, maybe not world's worst, but the worst armed insurrection I have ever seen happens. And I'm not saying people should have been overtaking the Capitol. I'm not in agreement with what went on, but they do a very bad job of being armed. They weren't and going into a federal building and, oh my God, how, how dare you desecrate the Capitol that way? You didn't care that they desecrated every other city and state. Oh, but you, now you're important. You didn't care when other people were losing their lives. You didn't care when other things were getting destroyed. Oh, but your workplace, that's all it is, right? A workplace. But it's their workplace. They cannot allow that to happen. Well, even in D.C., some of the worst rioting, some of the worst death and destruction happened right there, right down the street from them. And that was all okay. Don't you remember getting down and on one knee? Oh, and and standing strong with them? Yes. That was okay. That, that was fine. Yeah, that's why people need to understand what we're dealing with and that they're a bunch of fraudulent human beings. Absolutely. And I think that's that's one of the issues is we've all given them too much time in our minds and we've got to uh, we've got to come up with real solutions to fix this. Yeah, they are they right. are our problem, but they are not our solution. Correct. They are the problem, they are not the solution at all. Yeah, but when you I, I remember while Trump was president Anyone who wanted to speak out against Trump, whether they were active duty military, top level general, 
or anyone in between. They, the military allowed it. I didn't hear about people getting arrested for speaking out against Trump. And in fact, when federal employees or even contractors, they might, I think a contractor flipped off Trump and then lost her job, but then had all these other job offers given to her because we don't right. like Trump. So that happens. We even had, I think he was a colonel, or was he a lieutenant colonel as well, Vindman? He was like, he was given the red carpet. Let's talk in front of Congress. I'm so glad he's speaking out. He's, you know, doing a good service. He's a whistleblower to good service. Yes. And then you have Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, who speaks out against the president and the chain of command because nobody's taking responsibility for what went wrong in Afghanistan and everybody else, you know, they're saying not our fault. And he asks for accountability and what happens to him? Man, stick him in the brig. We're constantly reminded that you cannot speak out against your president or, you know, the chain of command. But when it was Trump, they allowed it all day long. And it was okay. That's why I said when you have a D after your name, it's okay. When you have an R after your name, it is not. You know, and now I understand what Trump was saying once when he did an interview when he said all his life growing up, because even though he ended up being a billionaire, you know, being raised on the opposite side of the tracks, not going all to the, the not going to all the super schools, you know, like all the other wealthy elites there in New York, he's always been treated differently. He gets into a position of power, becomes the most powerful man in the world, and then these people absolutely hated him. Yeah, all the people That's that loved him. <laughs> well, they loved they loved well, his donations. Loved the idea of yeah. him. Yeah, they loved his donations yeah. to their campaigns. Yeah. Yep, they loved the donations. They didn't love the man. That's well, why if you if you take a, an eraser and you see a word that says politician, and you take the eraser and you erase the politician off the surface surface what it really means is liar yeah thief thief cheat mostly dishonest human being now there is some honest ones out there i don't know how long they stay honest depending on the years they stay back in dc or or the state level but most of them are very crooked very corrupt so when i was talking to grandma horn your mom my mama. about politics because I was I, I remember talking to you about politics growing up I remember watching every single you know presidential race since uh, well the one I remember is 1992 with Clinton Bush but we, we've always talked politics and we've always talked about uh, voting and different things like that so I remember talking to grandma about it and asking her how she knew like who to vote for what she did to research and she tells me this story and i don't remember who the candidate was but she went to like a town hall with a candidate and she you know was talking to him and i guess she said something to the effect of i'm gonna vote for you this time but the next time you run, I'm not going to vote for you because you'll be corrupt by then. And so she told me that she will only vote for a candidate one time because she knows they're corrupt after that. <laughs> and that's a fact. And his name was, I want to say Chardon or something like that in Fresno. He was running for city council. Oh, how funny. And, yeah, and that was that was going to be mom's rep. 
her Nana's rep over in that area. And she did go to, they did have a town hall meeting right there at the park where they lived. And she stood up and said that exact thing, just exactly what she had told you. <laughs> was that I'm going to vote, I'm going to vote for you the first time, but I will not vote for you a second time because I'm afraid you're going to be corrupt by then. And I believe we will have to research it. And if we're wrong on this, we'll recorrect it next week. Is there was a, a uh, FBI thing that happened in Fresno called Operation Rezone. And I believe it's where a couple of politicians and some zoning officers downtown Fresno were getting kickbacks for favors. And the FBI ultimately ended up busting the case. But I think he might have been part of that. Wow. That's funny. Yeah, I don't I think I've be. ever talked yeah. about this with you before. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Chardon or Chardon, something like that. I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah, he was running for the first time, and he may have been one of the ones that was uh, netted up in that sting. Well, I know that, uh, bon wasn't it Bonadelli in the 90s? I don't know if that was the same sting operation, but they had to pay a bunch of fines. And yeah, that it, was all, I believe it was okay. all part of the same thing. Yeah, yeah Bonadelli called, did that. You can look it up. It's called Operation Rezone. I'm, I will be looking that up. I will be researching that. Man, I haven't used, I haven't thought about that in a long, long time. Yeah, so switching gears a little bit, let's talk about Newsom. Let's, well, I mean, it's still corrupt politicians, so I don't know how much gear switching that is. California Governor Gavin Newsom just signed a bill in which all school-aged children will have to get vaccinated against COVID in order to be allowed to have in-person school. So he starts his speech and he's giving this speech about how important it is to get back in the classroom and how they found that, you know, learning loss and that uh, the learning of children who are in the classroom is far different from the learning of children who have been, you know, staying home because of COVID. And then he turns around and says, but you will get this shot if you want to have in-person instruction or else you'll only be allowed to do independent study. Well, that's not right. Why can't the kids test as well? Yeah, well, the teachers are allowed to either test or get the shot, and the kids are not being afforded that. They're not, someone pointed out, well, they didn't give millions of dollars to his campaign. The kids don't have money, so he's not going to carve out special rules for them. Well, our 100% our of the people that are coming up from our southern border here in California uh, tested and vaccinated. So according... Our 100% of the Afghanis that are coming over here and the others from Afghanistan that are being held in other camps are 100% of them vaccinated and tested. So according to a CBP official, he just did an interview and he said that the people who are crossing our border and then released into the United States and they're they're being flown on airplanes but they you know public transportation buses and trains the people who are allowed in and then not put into proceedings immediately for removal and held in their uh, I don't know what the CBP jails are called in the CBP basically jails um, none of those people are being tested or vaccinated. The ones that are being tested and potentially vaccinated are the ones that they're housing inside these jail units to, to process them out and put them in front of a judge. So only only a small fraction of the people 
are tested and those are the ones that are being held by CBP. Everybody else that's being released is not. Okay, so when they get that under control and they vaccinate and they test, then the parents of students here in California should tell the school district, stick it. Yeah. And the governor. Yes, they it. should. Go kick rocks. You, you know, want them all to go independent yeah. study? Okay, then that's less tax dollars, right? Because now I'm having to pay for my kids' independent study. But they're talking right. about uh, private schools having to do it too. Well, it's like half the half the people that they brought over on airplanes from Afghanistan were not even the ones that were helping us during the war. No, they actually found people that were uh, removed from the United States who had been deported under one had been deported under trump he came back he got on the plane they allowed him on the plane and and so i understand it was chaotic but the people who helped were turned away from the airport and the people who harmed the united states were actually allowed on the plane you know listen to what you just said though chaotic how could it be chaotic when we've known for how long now that we were going to shut that war down and we were going to move out of Afghanistan how long yeah. was it a couple days was it a couple days before Minutes. the airplane shows up oh, oh screw it we're leaving today let's go yeah no they've known they've known for months if not years you know I, I can't believe that we're supposed to be the most powerful nation in the world we're supposed to have the smartest people in the world yet we can't de-escalate and pull out of a country in a timely manner in an efficient and a safe manner it, it I can't reconcile that in my head. It makes no sense. You know, that's that's why Millie and some of those generals, they're the ones that need to be held to task and held to account because they really botched it. Yes, they botched did. It, botched it bad. They don't did. don't pay attention. Don't pay attention to the pace eater because Biden doesn't know who Biden is. You know, the only time he knows who he is is when they give him some of the nice little psychedelic drugs to wake him up, like weekend at Bernie's. And have some you know, ice I, cream. I, I, I hate to be, you know, disrespectful about one of our sitting presidents who I respect the office of the president. I don't have to respect the man or woman that's currently occupying it, you know, yeah. because they're, they're causing more problems than solutions. Yeah. Because now, like you said earlier in this podcast, now we have four Afghanis that did nothing but want to help us for the last 20 years. And now they're being beheaded. Their wives and, and daughters are being murdered. Uh, now they've got to go back into sh uh, Sharia law, and I don't know a lot about Sharia law, so is it a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know, because I'm not Muslim and I don't live it. You know, that, that part of it, that's a religious thing. That's not my business. It's not my affair. But murdering them, keeping them in bondage, and doing the stuff they're doing to them, that's wrong. Yes, absolutely. So let me read this to you real quick. While we were sitting here chatting, I decided to pull this up. A continuing federal investigation called Operation Rezone resulted in 13 convictions for bribery and corruption involving planning and zoning decisions. Five of those convicted were members of the Fresno or Clovis City Council. Operation Rezone is a blow to a town that thought it had become a city. Now, this one doesn't say the year. It's been quite a few years ago that that happened. But it's funny because your grandma, if he was actually, in fact, one of them absolutely nailed it. Just, just nailed it. Yeah, she did. She knew what was going to happen. Because you see it once, I guess you're going to see it again. Yes, but for a lady that uh, 
had to drop out of school to take care of her dad when he was ill. You know, she was a very smart, very wise woman. And I think if she would have had the opportunity to go to school, she would have probably ended up with a bachelor's or a master's or, or something great. I, re- I really do. She was that smart. And she had had more opportunity. Yeah. Yes. Had she had more opportunity, uh, the sky would have been the limit for her. I mean, she had a good life. She never complained, never complained about her life or anything. Uh, she would have, uh, she would have done really well. That's my right. grandma. <laughs> yes. That's my grandma. That, that, that was your grandma. That was my mama. So now that you've had COVID, your parents have had COVID, your sister has had it, what are your feelings on the uh, shot? I still am not entirely sold on it. I have all my other vaccinations, but what I don't like about it is being told that it's worth the risk and then being told that you're not allowed to evaluate that risk either because we're being oh, we we tried to do this nicely. We tried to incentivize you to get it, but since you don't want to, now we're going to have to force you to get it or we're going to take away every single thing in your life. You're not going to be allowed to go to restaurants. Going to the grocery store may even be off the table. They were talking about people in Hawaii not allowed to go to grocery stores without the shot, that they want to make sure that you're not allowed to do anything. They want to take away your work. They want to take away your ability to go places and then say, but that was your choice to, you know, not get the shot. So why do they have to, (laughs) why do they have to take away your livelihood, take away your ability to go anywhere? You can't go to the mall. You can't go watch a movie. You can't go to a restaurant. Why do they have to take away everything to force you to get something that's so entirely good for you? Right, and if you look at all the homelessness across the nation, I would bet that most of them or a lot of them have more infectious diseases and that are far more serious or as serious as this COVID, yet they won't touch them people with a 10-foot pole. No, they won't force them to get any vaccinations that may help them either. Nope, nope. And then, so to be told, too, like... Uh, blood clots in women in my age group are elevated and to be told well we've evaluated it and we think it's worth you risking getting blood clots and then with um, young boys uh, you know 16 17 18 early 20s they are finding myocarditis kids having heart attacks healthy kids healthy exercising you know exercised kids are having heart attacks and there was a football player it's a senior year I think he's 21 years old and he got the vaccine because it was required by the colleges and he ended up in the hospital and they said oh you can't do any vigorous exercise for the next several months until this goes away so he's lost his senior year playing football because a healthy person got the vaccine Now, I also understand just like getting sick with COVID, there's a risk that nothing happens and then there's a risk that you have the worst outcome. Right. But I, I just can't wrap my mind around people telling me it's okay if you die, it will be better for me. It's worth you taking this risk. 
they want to play the numbers, playing the percentages. Oh, okay, so you know, what, less than one percent of the population dies of the cure, and the other one percent or half of a percent dies of the actual disease. It's an acceptable number. That's that old saying: if you ran into a room and it was being held hostage by a gunman, um, would you? And he was holding somebody. Would you shoot him and that person to save the other ninety-nine? Right, and so that's what we decide. Well, somebody else has decided that it's good for. I was going to say somebody else has decided that fate for you. Because we're not allowed to decide. And in fact, if you knew that every time you went to the grocery store, something in there was poison, would you still go shopping at that grocery store? Right. Only one thing. You don't even know if you're going to buy that one thing that's poison. Would you do it? And that's, no. And that's one of the things that bothers me, too, is I, I see where now Facebook is part of it has decided that anything that has to do with anything other than going and getting a vaccine, they're going to remove it. Oh, Anybody same with YouTube. Start, same with YouTube. Yes, and you, YouTube has eliminated all videos that have anything to do with vaccines. Yeah, they said that, uh, YouTube said that they were going to allow people to convey personal stories of COVID uh, vaccine adverse reactions like you you are allowed to talk about your personal story but if it seems like it may invoke vaccine hesitancy they'll take it down so you're allowed to yeah. say it they're just going to take it down because somebody might be hesitant right. after so, you speak so that yeah so then that zuckerberg and the other guys that are big multi-billionaires that run these companies that are dictating to us censorship what we can and cannot see read hear touch yeah and if you say oh well you can just go to another platform then you can go to another platform and say it with parlor we've proven that they will try to take you down no matter what they will go to the companies housing your server farms <laughs> and right. get them to drop contracts they will go to your bank and say quit doing business no transactions for this person and then they'll say but yeah, you're free to do it yeah, they'll threaten them because we've let these corporations get too big. They used to call them monopolies, and then they started calling them oligopolies, and they just got way too big. And I actually saw a senator or a congressman talking about busting these companies up and making them smaller. It, it was Representative Gatt, Gates, Gates from Florida. Oh, Matt talking, Gates. Talk, yeah, Matt Gates talking to somebody that works for, I believe, Facebook. Well, Congress allowed them to get that big because a lot of these yeah. things you have to get congressional approval to be right. allowed you to merge. And, and then we well, say they're no. too big. So when right. were they too well, a big? Lot of them are, well, when it works in their benefit, they being Congress, yeah. then they like it. But when it doesn't work in their benefit, they don't like it. Yeah. And they've got to try to bust it down. But these things should have never been allowed to get this big, ever, ever. Yeah, it doesn't I guess there's sense. a couple. I guess there's a couple whistleblowers that are going to talk tomorrow too, or at least one, before Congress from Facebook about Instagram and how bad it is for children and how they're data mining uh, information from kids as young as eight up. Wow. Well, they were yeah. trying to make uh, Facebook was trying to make a kids Instagram, so Instagram for kids, so that way there would be less interaction with adults. And children well, that, can interact, was, with, and they're. Right. It's so bad for them that they finally put a pause on it, but they just see dollar signs. Right, it's all about the money. Absolutely, it has nothing to do with anything but cash flow for them. ROI, return on investment. And I didn't realize that 
uh, Facebook is big in the U.S., but it's not as big as it is in the rest of the world. Actually, 80% of Facebook's business, I think it was an 80% number, is outside of the continental United States. Wow. Yeah. So they obviously have some other place like China. That's probably why, because even though it's probably censored, places like China probably, and India, especially India, probably has Facebook, and there's freaking 2 billion people there. Yeah, well, in for China, the, they'll work with China and then censor any information the Chinese government tells them to censor because it's money. They'll take the money. Right. And the money. Facebook yeah. also owns, so they own Instagram, and they also own WhatsApp, a messaging app. Mm. There's a lot in all of these. They just start buying up all these companies so they can turn it into something even bigger. This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away.